time to swing into the golf world of today with Springdale Golf Live. Sponsored by TaylorMade and the New Jersey Golf Foundation. Now, here's your host, the director of fun, Keith Stewart. Members, friends and players, good afternoon and welcome to Springdale Golf Live, the pros show. I'm your host, Keith Stewart, the director of fun, and I'll be entertaining you on this New Year's Day. Thank you for tuning in to ESPN 920. Hey, Jude, don't make it bad. Take a sad song and make it better. Remember to let her into your heart. Then you can start to make it better. Well, today is going to be bittersweet. As we put a bow on 2020, we are also broadcasting our final episode of Springdale Golf Live. After 142 shows and almost three years on air, this chapter for the Director of Fun is about to come to a close. But with the door closing, the window of opportunity is opening. I'll be sure to tell everyone what's next after the break, but for now, one more epic opening by my producer, Wade Weezer. Here we go. The pro show, you know it, folks. It's on. Well, 2020 was certainly a year to remember in many ways. Where the world was put on pause, if you asked us all in the golf business what would happen, nobody would have predicted the outcome. I mean, you think back to April and everything that was going on in the world, and there's no masters and there's no sports, and it was a pretty bleak outlook. And to think where we are now in the golf business, it's certainly in this holiday season with a time to reflect. Just an amazing, amazing turnaround and change of events. And I'm just so happy for the golf industry to have this opportunity in moving head forward to 2021 to take advantage of all this interest. You know, one of the reasons that the golf industry did so well in 2020 was because of so many amazing leaders. You know, I think back to people like the decision makers, Mike Wan of the LPGA, Jay Monahan when he stood up at the PGA Tour and restarted them in June. And uh, you remember back in September... Prior to the U.S. Open at Wingfoot, the Friday before, we spoke to USGA President Stu Francis. And during our conversation, I asked him what advice he would give to his 22-year-old self upon graduating Princeton. You know, folks, get the pencil and notebook out for this one. It's worth writing down. I would say to be thoughtful in balancing everything you want to do. You know, I played a little basketball at Princeton, but I think... Uh, Pete Carrill's adage uh, in his response when asked about how do you serve up such good basketball teams when you have people who have the challenging academic demands of Princeton. And Pete said, the most important thing is what you're doing when you're doing it. And I think that's a pretty good adage to focus on, which is when you're focused on something, that's 100% important to you. And then a day later, it may be something else. So that's how I think about it. And just an amazing, thoughtful response. All right, folks. Well, you caught me so far. Yep, this is going to be one of those end-of-the-year recap shows where we look at 2020 through the eyes of some of our guests and the stories that we get to tell. I mean, I have such a wonderful job to be the director of fun here and talk about the pop culture of all that surrounds our great game and sports in general. And, you know, I'm not going to stop there when it comes to leadership. There was this moment back in May when we talked to Susie Whaley, 
At the time, she was the current president of the PGA of America. And Susie has been a tremendous leader throughout her time as president of the PGA of America. And, well, it begged the question, you know, Susie, what are your thoughts on leadership? Yeah, I mean, we all lead, right, as PGA professionals, whether it's at a range or your golf course or even in your home, <laughs> right? And and I think, you know, for me anyway, I can just share what my leadership style is. Um, you know, for me, it's always about being authentic. It's always about showing empathy. And this is the time to do that, obviously, uh, with so many challenges and so many people facing the unknown and the anxiety that that's in front of us. I think we have to be strong in those moments as leaders. And I think you have to listen really hard. Uh, I think you have to be able to take critical feedback, but you also have to get to the underlying message that people are saying to you without jumping to a conclusion. Um, and so I think as a leader, you just really have to be kind and you have to understand that you need to take some risk. Uh, you need to make decisions and it's hard in today's environment to make strong decisions, but you have to make them. Leaders making strong decisions. Pretty cool. Well, from one strong leading lady to another. I remember back in February, we talked to Renee Powell and she was telling us, um, well, I, you know, I don't even really know how to put this story into perspective. Let's let Renee do the job. I just asked her for one of the cool stories from a trip that she took to Africa. After all, she took Oh, probably more than 20 or 30 in her time just to grow the game. Oh, my gosh. You know, I've got so many. I could write a book on my trips to Africa. I went down to Washington. I was so fascinated by the embassies. And so I remember going into this one, which was the Zambian embassy. And I walked in, and this lady who was the uh, um, secretary there, receptionist, she said, oh, I know who you are. And I'm like, oh, no, you don't. I've never been here before. And she said, no, you're Renee Powell. And I'm like, how do you know who I am? And she had been reading some old issues of Ebony Magazine, reading stories about me. And then there had been a documentary that was made on my life, and it happened to have been shown in um, uh, in Zambia. And so I, I remember asking her if anybody else played golf in the embassy. And so the first secretary came down, and he says, oh, I want to invite you to my country. And my president's a golfer. And uh, President Kinakunda, who was the uh, first president to bring them to uh, independence. And so as I was going around to our State Department and to uh, um, uh, USIA, United States Information Services and Agency, they said, oh, well, you can't go to, Af to Zambia right now because they were having problems between U.S. and, and, uh, and Zambia. And what has happened was that um, the president of Zambia had accused several of our embassy people of being CIA agents, and so he kicked them out, and as a civil force, President Reagan was our ambassador. So we didn't have uh, diplomatic relationships. So I ended up going the following year. Our relationships changed. The president was a golfer, so they had a nine-hole golf course right there at State House, and every... And there had never been a woman to ever grace the grounds of State House golf course. And I was the very first one to do that. And so what I would do each time, because I would go back there every year then, and what I would do is I would leave something with our ambassador to present to the president after I left to continue to build better relations. And at the time I was involved, I was under contract to Wilson. So I, I 
when left a golf bag for the president one year and golf balls another time and, and some different golf clubs. And so that helps to build up our relationship and make it much stronger. And at the close of that statement, I remember saying to Renee that she is just absolutely a legend in the golf industry, such a pioneer, a vanguard leader, a wonderful woman. And uh, it was, that, was, that was a really cool interview back in February. But speaking of cool, I remember the Black Knight on Black Friday. And who could forget when in the second segment we got involved in a little bit of singing? You know, after all, when it comes to Springdale Golf Live, it's always been about music and golf and fun and how they all intertwine. Well, this one was probably one of the most special moments in all the episodes. Now, listen, I want you to tell your guys here, your producer, he's got to play a song for me. It's uh, Diamonds on the Soles of Their Shoes. Diamonds on oh, the Soles of Your Shoes. All right, well, we got a couple more minutes. I'll, I'll tell Wade to get on that, and we'll see what we can come up with. But in the meantime, you know, one of the things that— Paul Simon. It was Paul Simon. Oh, Paul Simon. All right, Paul Simon. So, Wade, get on that, all right? All right, well, we're going to do something else to inspire you. I'm, I'm told we have your song. Now you listen, can you hear me? I can hear you, yes. Now you, you listen to these black people in South African music, listen. Wait in a minute, you'll hear how they play things. All right. I love this. This is fabulous. Now listen to this coming up. Listen to this. All right. Turn it up, Wade. Let's do this. Come on. It's Friday afternoon. Listen to this now. Here we go. Woo-wee. <laughs> Woo-wee. I love it. Hearing that again, just holy cow, uh, an amazing, magical music moment here on Springdale Golf Live with Mr. Player. Just tremendous, just tremendous. And, uh, you know, people ask me since that interview all the time, they say, how'd you get Gary to sing? And I said, didn't you know that he released an album back in 1970? Gary wanted to sing all along. We just planted the seed and, and boy... Did that flower ever blossom that day? Unbelievable. Really cool. And, you know, it was another cool thing. You know, where do these crazy, crazy stories originate from? Remember the time I asked Todd Lewis about the how he discovered Tiger's glutes? Todd Lewis, just one of the coolest guys at the Golf Channel, relates to all generations in the game and tells great stories. And here's just another one of them. <laughs> that was a wild scene. Uh, so, yeah, it was the Torrey Pines, uh, the Farmers Insurance Open, and Tiger had, at the time, this is pre-back spinal fusion surgery, uh, continued to, to have issues. Um, and he was playing, and there was a, there was a fog delay, actually. And he, after warming up, he stood by the putting green waiting for the horn to blow so they could start, and they, they finally started. And I was on the live broadcast coverage uh, in charge of interviews. And I think 
Tiger played, I'm going up memory here, four or five holes, and then shockingly just left the golf course. He's pulling out. So obviously he's the biggest name in golf, some say the biggest in sports. And so you're trying to find him, and he lands in the parking lot. He's putting stuff away in his car, and his agent is out there, and there's a rush of media around. And his agent says, all right, Tiger's taking no questions. And so we kind of back off. And our cameras leave, but then Tiger shockingly turns around and says, I'll take a few questions. And so when that happens, I mean, it's just full force around Tiger, and I'm there, and I'm ready to ask him questions, but my camera, hearing his agent saying he's not taking questions, had left. So, you know, hard to do TV without a camera. Uh, so I listened to what Tiger had to say. Uh, we went to commercial, and I'm talking to my producer, and I'm like, we get our camera back and Tiger had already left the parking lot. And I said, um, I can tell you what he said, but we don't have anything on camera. He's like, okay, okay. We're, we're coming to you. Three, two, one. And Tiger, well, they come to me and they said, I'm standing in front of Tiger's empty parking spot. Uh, spot and they said, Todd, well, you had a chance to talk to Tiger. What's going on? And he said, well, the problem with his back is that his glutes didn't fire. And you're sitting there talking about, again, the greatest player of this generation, I'm talking about his butt. <laughs> and I'm saying it on national TV. And I mean, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just reciting what he said to me. Uh, but it was just quite right. Yeah. His, his glutes didn't fire. And that was the big problem with Tiger. And that ultimately led to his demise today. And he's pulled out of this tournament. And it was just, you know, yeah. The broadcast team led by my friend, Terry Gannon, he was like, glutes didn't fire. We, you know, Terry's, Terry was on the North Carolina State National Championship team in basketball. Uh, he's been around athletics his whole life. He's like, I've never heard that. <laughs> so it was just odd, but it was kind of the circus atmosphere that, that is following Tiger Woods um, that continues today. You know, it sure does continue today, and we're all happier for it. You know, this past week, Wednesday, Tiger turned 45. So happy birthday to the big cat, the goat, the man. And uh, keep doing what you're doing. Stay healthy, Tiger. We love it. Keep moving the needle. Keep being the needle. That's for sure. And, you know, speaking of guys that move the needle, how about back in August when we talked to Alex Knoll, golf professional, math teacher from the Poconos area. And not only did he play a practice round when he qualified for the PGA Championship out in Harding Park with eventual winner Colin Marikawa, but he got a chipping lesson from Phil Mickelson, too. Thursday morning, we're uh, about 35 minutes from tee off for the first round and go to the chipping green. And I see Phil Mickelson right on the other side of the same pin I'm chipping to. So I looked to my guys in the back. I said, you better get a picture of me and him in with him in the background for for posterity's sake. And as I go back down to hit my chip, I'm like, this is really cool. And I blade one right at him. And it misses him and his brother, his caddy. It literally goes right between him like a field goal. And Phil looks up. He's like, thank God I just moved. I'm like, you got to watch it around here. He says, stay safe out there. I said, no, you're the one that's got to kind of watch yourself. And my caddy yells over to him. He says, that's my guy using the Phil Mickelson grind on the Callaway wedge. And, and Phil spins back around. He's like, no way. Don't tell me that stuff. So we had a little chat after that. He actually came over again to us on the putting green and was talking about how he puts more weight on his side and Tiger doesn't and how 
guys are chipping differently. And he's like, well, if you don't put more weight on your on your left side, well, you kind of know what happens. <laughs> We're all laughing about that. So that was really, really cool. Now from one major tournament qualifier to another, remember back in November, the week before the Masters, we talked to Andy Ogletree? Little did we know when we spoke to him that he would eventually become the low amateur and set the world on fire playing three of his four rounds with Tiger Woods. Well, when we talked to him that Friday before, we knew he was going to play a couple rounds with Tiger. So we asked him, what do you think about all of this? Yeah, everyone keeps asking me, you know, like, are you nervous to play with Tiger? How nervous are you? And I'm like, I'm not nervous at all, man. That's freaking awesome. Like, I've spent my whole life since I was four years old um, trying to be the best that I can at a sport. And it's propelled me to a place where I'm playing the first two rounds of the Masters with Tiger Woods. Like, why would I be nervous about that? I mean, I've spent my whole life, you know, dedicating practice, how I go about my day to give myself opportunities like this. And I just think it's crazy for people to to run away from that. I mean, this is, you know, I'm, I'm running towards that pressure. I, I want that because that's, you know, what that's what I've worked for my whole life. So um, to get to play with Tiger, I mean, I grew up idolizing Tiger. I had mock turtlenecks. I had like a Tiger head cover. You know, I think he's the reason a lot of players play golf, and he's the reason that golf is, you know, as popular as it is today. So um, I don't know how much we'll talk. I don't know how much, you know, interaction I'll have with him. But just just to be in that environment with him is, is super special and um, definitely one that I'll never forget. Well, from one great USGA player to another. I remember back in October when Jason Gore became a friend of Springdale Golf Live and we brought him on and you know he has that new role with the USGA where they're rebranding themselves and trying to be more player friendly and I asked him I said what are your goals the one thing that, that Liz and I have talked about and our goals is we just want to be honest with the players we want to listen to them we want them to know that we care if we're trying to understand golfers all around the world. Like I'm one of those guys that I don't care since this is the hot topic of the, of the, the week. I don't care if you wear a hoodie, just play golf. I want you out on this golf course. And there's one thing that this pandemic has done is brought people to the game. I truly believe, and this is just my personal thoughts that we may not be the heart and soul of the game because the, the tours are probably a little bit more of that, but we're the vertebrae. We're the vertebrae with all the, with all the nerve endings coming out and, you know, it's like what we do really affects everything that goes on in the game. And I want them to know that and know what we do. But, yeah, we still want to serve them in the game. My, my, my goal is to go a little bit beyond just the championship players or the tour players. Because I think all of us who are true golfers need to be a part of it. You know, what an emotional analogy that was about the game itself kind of in, in a macro view. So if you're going to take the vertebrae as the USGA, then I'm a PGA professional. We're going to be the lifeblood and we're all going to work together and we're going to create this ecosystem that it's it's really going to be fantastic going forward. Well, hold on real quick before before you go. Like I've said this before and it's like, you know what? Like people have asked, like, what's the USGA doing? And I said, I didn't go to a USGA official for my first lesson. So I think all these organizations have to come together for the good of the game to really make this thing flourish. Like, everyone's invited. Let's go have some fun. Well, you know me, folks. As the director of fun, Jason had me with hello with that one. And speaking of somebody who's been teaching people to have fun playing golf for a very long time in a very successful fashion, we spoke to Bill Harmon back in February. And he's, of course, a member of one of the most famous coaching families in all of golf, the Harmons. 
And he gave us a perspective on what it's like to grow up uh, with a father who is a master's champion. Well, my, my dad was a big needler. And between the four of us, we did have a lot of competition, but we all wanted to beat our dad. That was kind of the big thing. And I remember one year, my brother Craig, uh, he and my dad played the West Course at Wingfoot. And Craig was about 19 years old, and he shot his best score ever at Wingfoot. He shot 68, but dad shot 65. So they went into the men's grill there to have lunch. And Craig turned to my dad, and he said, you know, I've done everything you've asked me to do. I work hard. I, you know, I practice. I do all this stuff. And today I played my best round of golf, and I, and I still couldn't beat you. And my father said, well, Craig, do you know the reason for that? He said, no, Dad, I really don't. Will you tell me what it is? He says, I'm better than you. <laughs> <laughs> and he was. He said, you know, if you want to see a green jacket, just go into my bedroom closet. So it's not a mystery to me that you didn't beat me because I've always been better than you. So we grew up with that kind of uh, pathological truth teller, I would say. And even that was good for us. And that right there in a nutshell is what makes putting this show together week in and week out for my audience so much fun and so special because we get the greatest people on here telling the greatest stories and you just never know what's going to happen. I mean, Gary Player singing and Tiger's Glutes and just so many. This is just a, a recap of 2020. I mean, we could go back three years and tell stories for days. And uh, you know, you know who is a special woman who could tell a great story? Well, it was just a week ago on Christmas. This is the gift that keeps on giving when she unloaded on us an absolutely legendary story. Leslie Ann Wade, take it from here. Unbelievable. The greatest thing we ever did, the greatest thing we ever did, and I'll lose this if we go to a break. We went to the Dakota, and uh, John Madden gave us his bus, his Madden Cruiser, for those people who remember that John didn't fly around. Oh, yes. Different venues that he... He took a bus from place to place, and uh, he gave us his drivers. Obviously, we would need that. And John lived at the Dakota, where where John Lennon lived. He actually lived in an apartment that, before that, belonged to Gilda Radner, which was actually really sort of cool history. Yeah. Um, but we took the bus, and we did a pub crawl. All of my girlfriends in sports, we did a pub crawl through New York City. And uh, I always laugh, because I think... There isn't, no matter how, uh, no matter what we're ever doing, there's no way to make an entrance into a bar in New York like you can when you pull up in a bus. <laughs> and cruiser on the side, then 20 women come running, come running off the bus. Uh, and it was, it was, I don't know what's made me think of that lately. Somebody did a piece on John's bus recently, and I thought, my God, how could he have ever given a bunch of girls? That bus and his drivers who were used to driving around Summerall and a bunch of guys probably having a cocktail and playing cards or something were treated to 20 women in sports singing, you know, the songs that we would sing going to camp or playing on girls basketball teams or whatever. I think they were the most the most stunned at all. Seriously, folks, uh, as the director of fun, I have the greatest job in the world. To listen to these amazing people tell their tales. And, you know, I've got one more to recap the year. And it's kind of one of those situations where you just kind of have to pinch yourself that you can't believe where you are and what you're doing. Uh, Just a PGA professional out there trying to change the way people view the game of golf. And if there's one event that definitely has changed the way people view the game, it's that waste management people's open. 
Yes, out there at TPC Scottsdale. We hosted a live show. If you can imagine such a thing, a 16th hole of par 3 with 25,000 people around it. And we were there that Friday afternoon. And none other than World Series champion Johnny Gomes joined us. And I asked him, I said, Johnny, you know, you've been at the plate in the World Series. How would you do standing on the tee ready to hit this shot to the par 3? So I tell you what, if you took that golf ball and you picked it up and brought it 60 feet, 6 inches away and whizzed it at me about 94 miles per hour, yeah. I'd probably feel more comfortable than it off a tee, believe <laughs> it or that? not. Um, yeah, unique sport that we play, unique sport that they play. Um, their ball doesn't move, our ball moves. Um, with that being said, man, I mean, if, if I'm teeing up, there's a, uh, a smidge of a chance. There's a hole-in-one, a smidge of a chance. Yep. It's on the green, and a smidge of a chance someone's dead. <laughs> or, well, or, or leaving with a huge black eye. So well, I, it's all on the board if I'm on the tee. Imagine hearing all those people in the background. There were so many people there watching a golf tournament. And, you know, early in 2020, there were so many people playing golf. So thank you for joining me on this final episode, going down memory lane for 2020, and some of the really unique people and their tales that they told. Well, after almost three years, now it's time for a break. But when we get back, what's next for the Director of Fun now that we've recorded our final episode? Well, you'll certainly soon find out. As for now, it's 3.26 p.m. here in Princeton. Thanks for listening to ESPN 920. Be back in a moment. Golf Foundation, the charitable arm of the New Jersey PGA section, is committed to positively impacting lives and communities through the game of golf. We are excited to announce that PGA Hope, helping our patriots everywhere, a rehabilitative golf program for military veterans with disabilities, will take place on Wednesdays at 2 p.m. throughout the fall season at Fiddler's Elbow Country Club. To support the NJGF or learn more about the PGA Hope program for military veterans living with physical and cognitive challenges, visit NewJerseyGolfFoundation.org or call 732-465-1212. Springdale Golf Club is proudly celebrating 125 years of rich history in the heart of Princeton, New Jersey. With our walkable and superbly conditioned William Flynn-designed course, Springdale beautifully makes its mark as the best golf and social experience in our region. Combined with Troon Purvey, the private club operating division of Troon Golf Management, Springdale is further elevating our commitment to our members. Just last year, our members seasoned their game, teeing off on Troon managed courses in Texas, Arizona, and even as far as Hawaii and the UK. The benefits of being part of the Springdale family extends far beyond the fairways. For more information about our club and all the incredible moments happening at Springdale Golf Club and through Troon Purvey, please take a visit of our website at www.springdalegc.org forward slash Troon Purvey. Let's get back on course as Springdale Golf Live continues. Once again, Keith Stewart. Welcome back to Springdale Golf Live. I'm your host, Keith Stewart. You know me as the director of fun. You're listening to ESPN 920. Still my heart and hold my tongue. I feel my time. My time has come. Let me in. You know, there's one constant in life, folks, and that's change. And after 12 seasons at Springdale, I'm about to move on. Let me start the final segment of Springdale Golf Live by saying, don't cry because it's over. Smile because it happened. And the wheels just keep on turning. 
The drummer begins to drum I don't know which way I'm going I don't know which way I've come So although I'll be leaving Springdale, I won't be leaving these airwaves. This pivot moment in life will allow me the amazing opportunity to continue coming to all of you, week in and week out. And although all of our futures in 2021 have not completely come into focus due to these unbelievable pandemic times, I will be back on the radio very soon. We're going to expand the new show and increase distribution throughout the greater metropolitan region. In short time, the Pro Show will become a national phenomenon. So the answer is, there will be no club to replace Springdale in my future. I have a tremendous hand in the golf industry, and I'm going to play it. And to everyone who has supported me and listened to me, please know I'm just getting started. Of course, the sponsors of this show, TaylorMade, Summit Golf Brands, F.H. Wadsworth, and my original sponsor, the New Jersey Golf Foundation, have all allowed me to innovate, create, and bring to all of you these amazing stories for 142 Fridays. I thank each of them from the bottom of my heart for what they have allowed me to do, and more importantly, for their continued backing as we go forward. As I am genuinely grateful for all of their support, where would I be without all of you? Starting with my first producer, Al Brooks, and now the current fantastic facilitator of all of my fun, the man, Wade Weezer. For you and I, Wade, it's certainly not goodbye, as I'll be back in the seat in just a couple weeks. Thanks, of course, to the fans. The thousands upon thousands who listen, download, and reply through text, social media, and email. You have all inspired me in a myriad of ways. We know Springdale Golf Live is over, but the passion you all have for my show fuels the fire I have to take this next step. And in closing, I think appropriately in letter form. Dear Springdale, I am truly happy with all the wonderful moments we have created over the past 12 seasons. I can accept the fact that we had a great run and I'm proud of my legacy. Most would have marveled that starting in a recession and ending in a pandemic, how we could have accomplished so much. So after 225,000 rounds, numerous drum rolls, many awards, and the ability to form such wonderful relationships, the time has come. Thanks to all my fellow managers throughout the years, I truly appreciate your friendship and hard work. To the members, my Springdale days are over. Thank you for helping me become the person I am today. In the simplest of terms, with the most convenient definitions. When I look in the mirror, I see a mentor, a storyteller, a teacher, a leader, and a friend. Sincerely yours, the Director of Fun.